opening teaser clip for this week's Doctor Who Pachuk episode 47 may contain spoilers if you have not seen the series finale for 2006 Doomsday. If you like, you can skip ahead to the next chapter marker in the Hands Podcast to get to the non-spoiler opening credits as uh, or if you're using if you're not using the Hands Podcast, it's roughly about two minutes and thirty seconds to skip ahead, and that will bring you to the usual opening of our episode after the teaser clip. We now return you to Doctor Who Podshock. world, you warned us there'd be more Cybermen. So we sealed them inside the factories. Except people argued. Said they were living. We should help them. And the debate went on. But all that time the Cybermen made plans. Infiltrated this version of Torchwood, mapped themselves onto your world, and then vanished. When was this? Three years ago. It's taken them three years to cross the void, but we can pop to in front in a second. Must be the sheer mass of five million Cybermen crossing all at once. Yeah, Mickey said you'd rattle off that sort of stuff. Oh, where is the Mickey boy? He went ahead first. Any chance to go and find Miss Rose Tyler? She's your daughter. You do know that, did Mickey explain? She's not mine. She's the child of a dead man. Look at it. A world of peace. We're calling this the Golden Age. Who's the president now? And a woman called Harriet Jones. I'll keep an eye on her. But it's a lie. Temperatures have risen by two degrees in the past six months. The ice caps are melting. They're saying all this is going to be flooded. That's not just global warming, is it? No. It's the breach. I've been trying to tell you, travel between parallel worlds is impossible. Then the Daleks break down the walls with a sphere. Daleks. Then the Cybermen travel across, then you lot, those discs. Every time you jump from one reality to another, you rip a hole in the universe. This planet is starting to boil. Keep going and both worlds will fall into the void. But you can stop it. The famous Doctor, you can seal the breach. Leaving five million Cybermen stranded on my Earth. That's your problem. I'm protecting this world and this world only. Hmm. Pete Tyler. I knew you when you were dead. Now here you are, fighting the fight. Alone? There is a chance. Back on my world, Jackie Tyler might still be alive. My wife died. Her husband died, good match. There's more important things at stake. Doctor, help us. What? Close the breach? Stop the Cybermen? Defeat the Daleks? Do you believe I can do that? Yes. Maybe that's all I need. Off we go then. Live from the Podshock Cabana on a beach in Norway, this is Doctor Who Podshock.
This is Doctor Who Podshock, episode 47, for the week of July 10th, 2006. My name is Ken Deep, and joining me in the cabana right next door, <laughs> sort of, Mr. Louis Trapani. Hello. His name is Lewis. No. Oh, my. <laughs> I won't sing you the song. Oh, wow. It's what? a good thing James is missing. Yeah, I'd have to try to squeak him into the song, too, wouldn't I? Well, it's not a good thing that James no, is not, missing. It's uh, not a good thing. He's here in the United States, actually, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. But he's unfortunately not able to join us on the podcast this week. So Lewis and I are uh, pilot and co-pilot. On another stellar edition of Podshock. Stop the presses. <laughs> we have our our third co-host, our guest co-host is... Um, His name uh, is Colin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bring him aboard. We're ringing him up now, using bring the Tartar's phone. Hello? Hey. So joining us here is Colin, also known as Abasak in our forums, and uh, he joined us a couple podchocks ago, and we're very happy to have him once again on Doctor Who Podchock, joining us as co-host and sort of um, filling in for James, since James isn't here in today's uh, recording. Oh God, so, I wouldn't build me up that close. I wouldn't be that good. <laughs> well, sell yourself short. We're required by law to have a bloke from England on. You know. oh, oh right, oh, be, I shall be a bloke then. Call blimey Mary Poppins, etc. <laughs> so yes, thank you so much, Colin, for being here. And um, it wouldn't be the same without you. So. Um... I don't know okay. where I'm going with this. <laughs> 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 Okie dokie. Lewis and I. <laughs> well, I'm very glad to be here. Thank you for having me. So right off the bat, let's jump into the newsroom. There's a, there's a lot to talk about, uh, especially with the airing of Series 2 finale Doomsday. Uh, yesterday, as we're recording this on Sunday, the 9th of July. Mm -hmm. There's also yeah, some news in the Doctor Who newsroom now. Uh, this entire podcast is probably be riddled with spoilers, so we're trying to give you an, a little advanced warning on that, uh, both in the newsroom and in our review of Doomsday yeah. in the feature segment. So just give you the heads up, those of you who are spoiler sensitive, that this one's going to be filled with it. Yep. Well, uh, this may be a spoiler for those that are that don't want to know anything about the next series, that's the... Um, for next year, um, the 2007 or Series 3. Um, we had announced in a couple of Pachak episodes ago that um, a likely companion um, it was being reported on through some of the tabloids was uh, Freemer Adjiman, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her last name correctly or not, was rumored to be the new companion. And then when Army Ghost came to the screen, uh, her character was killed off, and we were all like scratching our heads on how could she be the new companion and um, and so forth. But since uh, last week's recording of Doctor Who Podshock, news came out that she is um, going to be the new companion, and she's playing an entirely different character altogether, a uh, character known uh, uh, that will be known as Martha Jones and will be introduced in the next series. So um, sort of like a Lala Ward thing going on here where uh, we first, you know, meet her in one se season and then she comes back as a companion in the next, playing a different character altogether. Or like uh, Ian Barter, who was in 
That's true. Monsters or Colin Baker, you know, well, Colin Baker actually. Well, Colin Baker was, didn't oh. come back as a companion. Now, that's true. He's back as the doctor himself. <laughs> uh, so they're continuing a tradition, eh? Yeah. Sort of testing the waters, perhaps, uh, by having somebody come aboard the show. and perhaps. Well, I guess chemistry. they were very pleased with her performance and her chemistry. And, uh, you know, they said, you know, look no further. We have our companion here. Mm-hmm. You know, there's... A little bit of debate whether she'll be introduced in the next Christmas story or will they wait till the uh, start of the actual series three. What, I, what I'd heard was that she was coming in in season three, which suggests to me yeah. that she's not going to be in the Christmas invasion. So uh... Yeah, that, that's my feeling as well. And here's the, once again, a, a spoiler warning as we're about to talk a little bit about Doomsday. But the, this leads to another story that, that we've, uh, you know, being that we're on the sub- subject yeah, of so companions. If, if you and, haven't seen Doomsday, you might want to skip ahead. Uh, but Catherine Tate has been tapped to play uh, The Runaway Bride, which is the title of the next Christmas story, The Runaway Bride, or Doctor Who and The Runaway Bride. And her name apparently is Donna. The character's mm-hmm. name is Donna. And she makes a mysterious appearance at the end of Doomsday. Uh, Popping in the TARDIS. Now, rumors are flying all over the place, many of them inaccurate, uh, as we've come to know that you can't trust the rumor mill. Everything from that she's a cyber woman to <laughs> all, all, just absolute craziness. But at this point, all we know is that there's a woman in a, in a bride's dress standing uh, in the TARDIS at the very end of Doomsday, and she's a, apparently a, a comedian. Mm-hmm. And, um, was actually, I went on to IMDb, and she made an appearance on the Children in Need special on the same weekend as uh, Doctor Who, as David Tennant and Billy Piper did this past mm. November, was early November. For, for those that um, are unaware, um, maybe our friends overseas, well, I say overseas, I mean in America, Catherine Tate is, well, she's a very well-known comedian over here, perhaps not Am as well-known. That well, yeah, I'm not bothered. Not not as well known as um, Peter Kay, perhaps, but um, her TV series in the last couple of years has come up really well. Um, it certainly caused mixed feelings on places like Outpost Gallifrey, where some people have said, "Oh, this will be absolutely great," and some people have said, "Oh my God, I'm not going to watch this at all," which is frankly a stupid reaction um, because yeah. I think if if you don't like the comedian then watch it because she like peter k she might be completely different from what you might expect and not just only peter k but also simon Pegg as well played you know against type as well when he yeah. was in the long game last year mm-hmm. i mean there were if a- anybody gets a chance to see some of her characters it i must admit when i first saw the start of her series it took me a couple of episodes to get into it but i i do i am actually quite i'll admit i'm quite a fan of hers um and people say yeah well her her comedy sort of um concentrates on things like repetition and well-known catchphrases but i mean that's that's nothing new in comedy yeah. so um but and i i do think she's very talented i don't know her in terms of how she is as an actress, which is what she was before she became a comedian. Um, but I think it'll either be really good or it'll cause people to cringe, so we'll just have to wait and see. Now, Colin, from what you saw yesterday in the last minute of the, the episode Doomsday, I mean, there was only a few lines that she had, hardly any at all. Uh, but could, from what you could tell, and based on your knowledge of seeing her in her own show, is it... A, the character is similar, is it, or is it 
against type, as uh, Lewis had mentioned? You know, um, well, she does this... Um, the, she has this one character that she does in her shows, and it's this woman who's sort of a middle-class, sort of single woman, who is absolutely desperate to get married. And she does it kind of like you would do one of those sort of fly-on-the-wall documentaries where you've got the commentator talking to her and saying, so you've decided that you're going to marry this person who turns out to be on death row in Texas, even though you've only chatted to them in an internet room. Do you think that's wise? And she'll come back with things like, well, you know, Karen, I think there's always people that will be ready to judge people before they've met them. <laughs> she comes across as this sort of rather sad character who's very defensive. So when she turned up in the episode yesterday, I mean, that was such an intense and powerful moment. And the doctor stood there and you're thinking, oh, my God, this is total loss for him. And then he turns around and there's this woman there with a dress and she turns around and it was Catherine Tate. And everybody in my house went, what? <laughs> we just I honestly thought for a second that I'd, all of a sudden a different show would come on because I was absolutely astonished to see her. It was just like, what the hell is she doing here? Yeah. Well, they did do a, a good job of keeping this pretty much under wraps because um, yeah. the news didn't break until after Doomsday came out, to my knowledge, you know, till that was transmitted about her, you know, appearing in uh, the Christmas special. Well, there was certainly there was certainly no clue of it over here. But then again, I'm not a very attentive person, so it could have been on the front page of all the papers and I might not have seen it. But um, no, I was absolutely astonished when I saw it. Well, it, I noticed that... Similar to the parting of the ways last season, um, there's a there's a cut where we go from the Rose situation to uh, where Catherine Tate appears. Um, that this scene could have been filmed, you know, weeks apart. Uh, hmm. There's there isn't anything that that deliberately joins it to the start the the rest of the episode. So this could have been something that again like when they snuck David Tennant in last year to do the regeneration scene, this scene could have been just snuck in very last minute. I mean, really only had, you only had David Tennant and Catherine Tate in the scene. They could probably yeah, could well, have done it. Ken, I know you haven't listened to the commentary yet for Doomsday, oh. but that, the, the commentary, I believe, was recorded, um, I, I think Russell T. Davies mentions it was 10 weeks before um, the transmission of that episode. So... Um, he, she was in it, so I, I, I guess I mean it could, you could be, very well be right, but um, and she's you know it's been on, it's it's been filmed for some while, for right. some time. Well, we also know that that this, the series of four episodes, meaning the Rise of the Cybermen, Age of Steel, Army of Ghosts, and Doomsday, were it was viewed as like a like a four part saga, uh, with Graham Harper directing all four parts and. We're, yeah, we're it was assuming. a shooting block with mm. a shooting block included. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Russell yeah. T. Davies uh, speaks about Catherine Tate, and um, he goes to say, "Doctor Who and Catherine Tate are um, is just the most irresistible combination, a general treat for Christmas viewing." After two years of traveling with Rose, the TARDIS is uh, in for a bumpy ride with Donna on board. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't particularly fancy the opportunity of a trip in the TARDIS with Catherine Tate. <laughs> not based on some of the characters, not on her personally. I'm sure she's an absolutely fantastic person. But the one I would have actually been intrigued to see, and I think it, we'd only have got away with it for a children in need special, would have been the grandma character that she does. I don't know if you've ever seen this other character she plays. This absolutely awful woman who is one of these old grandmas that's got to the age where she really doesn't give a damn and says, 
absolutely outrageous things and is completely two-faced and mm. will tell you one thing and then two minutes later completely contradict herself and swear blind <laughs> she never said it and her language is absolutely appalling but uh, it's one of those ones where you laugh more for shock value than out of anything else because of some of the things she says just leave you with your mouth open so <laughs> well so. something to look forward to this christmas what is it 107 more days 106 more days Not that we're counting. days <laughs> Yeah, what was it, Ken? 179 as of the Oh, seven, all right. It was 180 yesterday, according to the... I, I, I couldn't remember. I, I thought it was one. Yeah. Was it one, I thought they said 170 myself, but... Okay, so maybe we're at 169, even better. <laughs> it's going to be less than that by the time people hear this anyway, isn't it? <laughs> 10 days, Colin. <laughs> exactly. Look on the positive side. <laughs> um, yeah, it's also interesting. I, I was um, thinking about the, the Christmas special and thinking that... Torchwood is scheduled to start sometime in October, and, and looking at the calendar and just taking it from the very first, we, again, we don't know the, the time of the day, and everything isn't settled here with Torchwood, but um, looking at October, November, December, Torchwood would be winding down. They would be into their season finale around the time that the Christmas special should air. Hmm. So, you know, we'll, we'll definitely be in for, towards the end of 2006, be in for the, you figure at least... If they if they mirror Doctor Who at all, they may have a two part season finale, and then you'll have the Doctor Who Christmas special as well. Mm-hmm. I I think would guess knowing Lewis the way I do that he's probably like I am relieved that it's just not another invasion story. Well, so I'm also I, I'm I'm I, we should also announce because I'm not sure if we did announce it already with the Catherine Tate story that the Christmas special is called the Runaway Bride. So I'm kind of glad that Christmas, the word Christmas isn't in the title and that, that this isn't going to be, you know, another Christmas. Well, we don't know if it's going to have, if, if Christmas is going to, the holiday is going to play a part in the story. But, yeah. you know, because if we, if this is going to be a trend where every Christmas we have a special and I'm not knocking it, you know, but it would be kind of silly if we have a Christmas related story every year now when mm. 43 years we've gone without any. Yeah. And also, um, if they want a special in between the series, places like Australia, I mean, they've got, they've just had what the Christmas invasion aired over there, haven't they? Yeah, that's right, This in July. So, um, I mean, that's the other interesting part about it, is that it's nice to have a Christmas special, but at the same time, the rest of the world may not air it around the holidays, and you've got this July Christmas special thing happening, and, you know, we're, we're all pretty imaginative folks that watch Doctor Who, but at the same time, there's something a little weird about having 80-degree weather and sunshine and long days and watching... Uh, unless you live in Australia, of course. Yes. That's true, too. Come to the so, so it actually... It makes sense because it's being shown in July, which is the middle of our summer. The Australians have their Christmas during summer, so it should be shown during July, except oh, yeah. that's obviously during their winter. Yeah, winter. But, <laughs> oh, well, you can't have everything, can you? <laughs> no, you can. Russell Where would you put it? is more of a genius than we ever realized. Indeed. <laughs> well, uh, Canada was fortunate this past year. She, they got it on Boxing Day, the day after Christmas. But it cost them. <laughs> to put in with it. They had to, uh, you know, fork over some loot for that, Lewis. Did they? Well, well they're they, co- 
co-producer. Co -producer, um... Although I've noticed um, that it's only the last couple of episodes that of Doctor Who that it says with thanks to the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation in the end title. So it, it makes me wonder, is it now the money's finally come through or the check has cleared so they've gone, oh, quick, put it up on the credits. We've got money for season three or the Christmas party or whatever. Wow, we finally have money for Army of Ghosts and Doomsday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe Mike had Mike Duran, our Canadian correspondent, uh, had mentioned that when it, it when it premiered in Canada, it always had it at the end. So they had, you know, I obviously they had different prints that they showed in Canada with the credits, and um, and each one, you know, had the CBC as a um, producer or, or something to that effect. Let's make sure when we ship those reels over to Canada that we make sure it says. In, you know that you know you know somebody in the office somewhere worried about that. <laughs> it makes me wonder whether um, by the time the DVD comes out, is it going to say thanks to the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation all the way through season two, or is it just going to be in those last couple of episodes? I we'll have to wait and see. Yes, yeah, it's curious. Alrighty, um, so Ken, you had some news that you wanted to share about DVD updates, didn't you? Give you a update. Two things. First off, here in North America, looking in town, Lewis, you had the, the date. That was the... Yeah, Ken, you're, you're breaking up a bit. You're um, fading in and out of our space-time continuum, <laughs> Yes, that's right. You're, you're like a hologram that's just fading out in the most important part. <laughs> well, on, uh, I believe it's September 5th, we have uh, just a quick reminder that the Inferno and I believe the Web Planet are coming mm -hmm. out in North America in Region 1. And then just recently announced was the Hand of Fear and the Mark of the Rani heading our way on November 7th. And Is that so good news or bad news with the Mark of the Rani? I don't know. Well, <laughs> uh, that, that, to me, that's good news. I enjoyed the Mark of the Rani. Um, I'm, I'm, Is that the one that had the master in as well? Yeah, you, I always get yeah. confused. Yeah, you may be getting confused with time, time in the Rani. The Rani. Oh, well, I, <laughs> they could feel free to keep uh, I have to say, I, w I really wasn't watching around about that that sort of era of Doctor Who because I was just sort of like, mm, well, I think I've grown out of this by now. <laughs> uh, these two releases in the in the states uh, make a month apart from each other, which is highly unusual for us here. Not that we're complaining, um, mm -hmm. in the U.S. September, November, two months apart. Oh yes, that's right. October, uh, but this is this is, is in between those two. It is of note that they're they're speeding the timetable up a little bit, going from a three or a four month gap to having only two months between releases, bringing us to a, approximately a DVD a month, you know, twelve a year. Or, I mean, we did get some box sets and some things, so they're definitely speeding up the releases, which is great. It's great news, um, not for my wallet, but great news that there'll be more stuff available. And announced um, just recently in the UK in January 2007 is the Return of the Master box set on uh, DVD. And that will include the Keeper of Traken, Legopolis, and Castrovalva. And uh, also marks the recording of Anthony Ainley's final commentary. He, he recorded a commentary for Keeper of Traken, so... Um, that's been was that on the VHS release? No. No, so, they didn't have commentaries on the VHS ones, did they? No. So this is this is. Uh, so he recorded this commentary. Um, they they had um, just started the DVDs. 
I so it took them this long for this DVD to come out? Yeah. That's very bizarre. It is. But we watch a bizarre show. Because he's he, he passed away some time ago. Yes. It's about, what, two or three years now, isn't it? Yeah, it's been in the can for that long, um, which makes me wonder how much stuff is really archived already at the restoration team. And, you know, again, we're just waiting for it all to come out. Um, hmm. From what I hear, the restoration team is actually moving pretty quickly on restoring a lot of the Doctor Who material. And, mm -hmm. um, yes. Not their choice not to release it as quickly as they can finish it. So. Yeah, I'm sure it was out of it wasn't their decision. You know, I'm sure they weren't the factor holding it up. But maybe um, supplemental materials, or you know, they they like to do sometimes these original features that they include on the DVD releases, which are so, excellent. You know, yeah, they are excellent. I just wouldn't want them to hold up an episode because of it. <laughs> no, but but if that was the, originally, we had thought that was the reason why it took so long for the DVDs to come out was that they really worked very hard on these things, and they do. Uh, but apparently they can finish them quicker than than the BBC or Warner Home Video or whoever might be in control of this feels like releasing them. I mean, maybe there's a marketing reason behind it or something. I don't know. But by the time well, we finish the DVD releases, we'll be on to Blu-ray or HD VD or... The, and then we'll have to buy them all again. <laughs> whatever we'll be yeah. on. Well, I've been saying that for ever and a day now, but... Although on Monday, um, well, it will already have been Monday by the time this comes out, um, in the UK is when, um, isn't it, when the uh, inv episode of Invasion gets released with the missing episodes animated by Cosgrove Hall. I is it this Monday? I believe so. I mean, on the BBC website, um, news stated 6th of July. On Saturday, we find out what the Cybermen are planning in Doomsday. On Monday, Rise of the Cybermen comes out on DVD. Is that the same one? I don't know. Oh, no, it's in November. I do apologise. It's in okay. November. Sorry for yeah. anybody whose hopes I've got up there. <laughs> so, helps if you read these things, doesn't it? Yeah, November. Okay. Yeah, I, I know. I doing the news. I realize that too. That you actually have to read it before you report on it. <laughs> there we go. Pod shock. <laughs> Help me with information you didn't know. <laughs> so, um, Ken, did you have any other news? That was it for me, sir. Colin, did you have any um, any big finish updates? I think you want, you had something to talk uh, about. Yes, there are two. Um, there was one that was came out the other day. The fact that they were announcing that the Janet Fielding mm -hmm. um, episode um, has been recorded, and that is going to be the second of September's Doctor Who audio releases from Big Finish. So, um, and that is called The Gathering. Um, it doesn't really give any more information than that, except it does give now. Oh, actually, they have slightly updated the website yeah. it gives you a copy of the front cover uh with a chap that's got a very weird sort of um helmet on that looks not unlike a sort of a cyberman type outfit um and tegan and the doctor and then it's got a few brief details of the story um the morning 22nd of september 2006 tegan woke up she was expecting to spend the day relaxing at home and that evening toler to tolerate a party thrown to celebrate her 46th birthday. But things don't always go as expected. It's been over 20 years since she chose to leave the doctor. She's got a job, mates, a life. Meanwhile, her friend Catherine Chambers makes a decision that could change all their lives, and Tegan discovers that you can never really escape the past. And then they got photos of the uh, crew as well. 
Wow, I can't wait to hear this one. Actually, I, I, you know, Tegan's one of my favorite companions, and um, I'm really anxious to um, to hear her again. I was going to say see her again, but <laughs> that's great. It's a big coup for the big big Finnish audio to get her in, back in the role. I know they've been trying for some time, and this is the first time she finally said yes. There's actually yeah. a, a simultaneous releasing on um, that day is also the the reaping with Colin Baker and Nicola Bryant, and that too is a, a Similar, I don't know whether this is intentional, that they're having a, like a parallel story going on, but that cover has a Cyberman on it as well. So um, if, you, if you see the two covers side by side, they're very similar, except one has Colin Baker, one has Peter Davison, one has Perry, one has um, Tegan. But there's a Cyberman on the left of Colin Baker, and then on Peter Davison's cover, there's a soon-to-be Cyberman, or, or so it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know whether they're and, and the, both press releases start with on the morning of, you know, as their opening line. And then the next line, Perry woke up, Tegan woke up. So um, curious. Yeah, I mean, I know it's taken a lot of persuading um, for her to come along and do this. And she did say when before she did this, she said, I will do just one. Um, so whether or not this story is going to be an absolute sort of finish for Tegan or whether it will be left open on the hope that she might maybe come back and do another one at some time in the future I don't know mm. well it won't be a um, a, a um, Sarah Jane Smith series that's for sure um, no <laughs> you never know though <laughs> The Reaping with Colin Baker the other release also features uh, Claudia Christian from uh, Babylon 5 mm-hmm. so, ah quick uh, for your information oh cool um, the other news that I've got for Big Finish is that, um, just announced today, Gary Russell is to step down from his role as producer of Doctor Who at Big Finish, wow. according to their website. Uh, Nicholas Briggs, who, of course, we all know as voicing the Daleks and Cybermen, um, will assume creative responsibility for the Doctor Who range as executive producer, and Sharon Gosling has been appointed as producer with administrative and organisational responsibility for the entire output of Big Finish. Um, um, and there is an extensive story on this at www.doctorwho.co.uk. Wow. It's big news there. It is for them because, I mean, he's he's been at the forefront of Big Finish pretty much since, since they started the yeah. doing the Doctor Who range. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, well, hopefully he's going on to bigger and better things. Um, we'll just have to see how that yeah. affects Big Finish. Mm-hmm. Also, now with Nicholas Briggs really being involved directly with the current production of Doctor Who for television, I'm curious to see if there's an impact on Big Finish. Do they do they gain uh, a wider scope now, or the, does the reverse happen? Do, do, you know, because he's got um, his plate full. I hope it does. The Big Finish produ- productions don't suffer from this. Hmm. Be curious. It could it could benefit the show because. Now he's again. He's in day-to-day contact with the current production team. Mm. Well, again, in, unless they renegotiate their contracts, they, they're not allowed to go any past the eighth Doctor. So, um, as far as content goes, you know. And, then, and and again, but we don't know his uh, with his involvement now. Maybe uh, you know somebody puts in a good word. We keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, well, it does make you wonder if um, are they going to be 
they can't go past the Eighth Doctor, but can they perhaps build up towards the events that led to the Ninth Doctor? And are we likely to see any of this? That's yeah. another question. Yeah, I know we've speculated upon that many times, and you know, I guess that's um, you know, we don't know that. Hmm. I mean, things that were said, for example, in Doomsday yesterday about the fall of Gallifrey um, makes you wonder, will that appear on the TV or will that be an audio-only sort of thing? And also, which Doctor actually saw that? Was that the 8th, the ninth Doctor, which one? So Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I know it's just a lot of us imagine that it's, you know, the 8th the and then somehow the Time War somehow caused the regeneration into the ninth. But, you know, again... This is only speculation, you know, on, on, on behalf of fans and viewers. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, we'll be right back with our review. Oh, of, could I, oh, could, yes, could I just add sure. one more item of news? Absolutely. In my local area, um, I've mentioned this before on the website, but the um, tourist attraction known as Spaceport, which is basically on the Wirral side of the River Mersey, from opposite from Liverpool, um, there's a ferry terminal there called, which has an attraction called Spaceport, and on Thursday the 22nd of September, oops, sorry, no, on Saturday the 30th of September, until early January 2007, they have been selected as a venue for the Doctor Who Up Close exhibition. Um, they're going to be covering a variety of exhibits from both the first and second seasons of uh, the new series. Um, they've got a website address if anybody's interested. There isn't much detail up there at the moment, um, but their main address is www.spaceport, all one word, .org.uk. And there is also the main exhibition website for the Doctor Who exhibitions, which is www. Doctor Who Exhibitions, or one word again, dot com. Um, and if you keep checking out either of those websites, hopefully soon there will be some more information on that. Very good. So once again, we'll be right back with Doctor Who Podshock. Hi, this is Eugene Washington, and you are listening to Doctor Who Podshock. Are you looking for a podcast that has a bit of everything? Reviews, opinions, interviews, and wide-ranging topics? Well, I have the podcast for you. Come in and listen to Ramble with Russell at ramblingrust.libsyn.com. I have a wide range of topics and a wide range of guests. If you're looking for a little bit something different and some variety and a lot of fun, please come and listen to my podcast. That's a warning. The TARDIS is dying. And we're back with more Doctor Who Podshock. Time for our features section. Features in Europe. And today we're reviewing and talking about and discussing the Series 2 finale, Doomsday, which aired last night as we're recording this on Sunday, 
July 9th, 2006. And it was quite so, spectacular. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert for those that haven't seen it or wish not to know anything about it. Um, this will not be a spoiler-free episode because it will be kind of very... <laughs> it'll be kind of a, a very short review if we had to keep the spoiler free. Well, so, indeed. Um, well, so be warned. After spoiler after spoiler in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> because this story is basically all, you know, <laughs> re- all revealing, and um, it's kind of hard to talk about it without talking about it. <laughs> well, in in essence, everyone is left behind except for the Doctor and the TARDIS, which is the you know, essentially the show. Um, this is a chance at the conclusion of this episode, Doctor Who once again reinvents itself. Although David Tennant is still the Doctor and the production crew is the same, this is just another chance for somebody else to come aboard and have their reaction to the Doctor and ask why is it bigger on the inside than the outside, etc., etc. All the things that a newcomer aboard the TARDIS gets to ask, or that we expect them to ask. But this... This story uh, is the conclusion of a two-part story, which it actually didn't know it till we, we watched it last week. It's actually part four of four, if you think of it joined together with uh, The Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel. It really is one very long story. Yeah. You, you, know, you could go back and, and make, the, uh, make the argument that you could watch all four in a row, sort of see everything get pieced together and, and how the story works. Uh, I, I thought going into it, we would learn a little more about Torchwood, the series. And although we this episode takes place in Torchwood, we never actually learn anything about the upcoming show. Yeah, that's going to be a different Torchwood So you know, than what we're seeing here. It's not your mm. father's Torchwood. So <laughs> as Ken just mentioned, this picks up you know, right after Army of Ghosts. So um, it continues the story. Once again, it's directed by Graham Harper and it's written by Russell T. Davies. And um, it concludes, you know, wraps up everything that was left open in Army of Ghosts. And um, there's a lot to tell in this story from um, beginning to end. We knew that this was going to be Rose's last story, Army of Ghosts, opens with her speaking of that and telling her that this is the story, you know, with her telling us that this is the story of her death, uh, or, the, you know, the story that, that of when she died. And um, by, way, by the way, my theory came true. <laughs> and, um, I was speculating on, after Army of Ghosts how they were going to handle the whole dying issue, and um, it turns out to be... Well, again, spoiler alert. <laughs> we already gave our spoiler alert, so no more spoiler alerts. Yeah. <laughs> Where she is um, on the parallel Earth, you know, the alternate Earth. And stranded and there. She's written off as dead here on our Earth. Mm. But she didn't go in a way I expected. I, I thought that she might make the choice to go because some threat had happened. But obviously, from what we saw yesterday, she was far from willing to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that she may have gone earlier in the story. And actually, the story first off clocks out at just shy of 47 minutes. It runs a little longer than the normal Doctor Who episode. And, and there is a lot to tell. There's a lot crammed into it. Um, towards the end, though, once the split happens between the Doctor and Rose, where she's now stranded in the alternate Earth, 
the story takes a, a, a turn. It almost, the last five or six minutes is almost a, a separate feel, a, a whole different tone to the, to the storytelling. Yes. It really, the episode could have easily ended once they were separated and, and there's a little bit of, they're leaning against the wall, you know, mm-hmm. and then there's that separation there. The episode easily could have ended there. And then you go to Rose waking up in a parallel to the very first time we ever met her uh, waking up. And she's hearing, um, a la Citizen Kane, she's hearing the doctor whisper Rose, screaming mm-hmm. about him. And he's trying to cross the void and, and talk to her and say his goodbye. And there's this whole other story that it's, takes it's place almost there. like a children in need you know one-off special that that yes, could have been that just got stuck right in there at the end yeah i, I have to say though the, the the best thing not saying that the other parts are bad but the highlight of that piece of that story for me is the murray gold music there i i have to say i woke up this morning with that music still on my head music mm. was incredible and again deliberately different than anything we had heard in the show prior to that mm-hmm it was it was music just for that part of the story. It wasn't in any uh, of the earlier uh, parts of the two episodes uh, of this particular two-parter or four-parter, depending on how you wanted to make the, the point, or for that matter, the rest of the season. It was, in other words, it wasn't song for ten. It wasn't for any anything else that that we had heard previously. It was mm-hmm. its own little composition for just this last few minutes. Uh, you know, with Rose's departure. And it was powerful. It was powerful and, and very mm-hmm. moving. And I actually found myself moved even more on the second viewing of the episode. I'm exactly the same with that. I, I had sort of the adrenaline going for the first part because I'd that's sort of got over the, how that, that's how they're resolving it. But then when I watched it, knowing what's going to happen, it, it mm-hmm. feels a lot more powerful. I think, yeah, I think both Ken and I mentioned that on the second viewing, I think we both enjoyed it more. Yes, and, and Lewis and I spoke about this because being, Lewis and I being real hardcore Star Wars fans, we always say that the, on, on viewing a Star Wars movie, the second viewing is always the better of the two viewings because you've got your guard up. You're dying to get the answers on the first one. On hmm. the second viewing, you allow yourself... You don't, you're not looking for the information. You're just a, you're letting it happen. And you're yeah, you can relax a bit. Yeah. I think the same thing happened last night where we kind of knew what we were getting into and we were waiting for those answers. Now, on the second viewing, you already had the answers. So now you could sit and let the emotion and let, let the scenes play out the way they are. You, didn't, you weren't waiting for the, well, I wonder what's going to happen next. You knew what was going to happen. You allowed... The, the story and the feelings to, to, to permeate, you know, to go inside yourself. And, and, and that's, to me, it was more powerful watching it on the second viewing. It was just, you know, I understood a little more, too. I, mm-hmm. I saw yeah. what Graham Harper was trying to do in, in certain scenes there towards the end. I mean, Ro- Rose's pain in that whole sequence at the very end on the beach feels much sharper because you you can really feel it. And I mean, hats off to Billy Piper. I mean, mm-hmm. that whole sequence must have been so draining back. to do. No. Held nothing and, back in this. And I have to say that after watching David Tennant now for this is our 14th outing with David Tennant, uh, I had never seen him more powerful than when he was hanging on there in that mm. tunnel, and he's screaming for her. I mean, he too, 
nothing held back. There, at, mm. He was convincingly terrified when when she lets go. And yeah. again, on the second one, you're just awestruck at the performances there. And well, it was a very emotional handle, well, very mature handling of sort of such a, a very stark emotional situation, considering it's sort of a family show and it's got to appeal to kids. There's some very sort of under, underlying adult themes in there in terms of, you know, how people handle things like that. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that bit, that bit where um, she's clinging on to this lever and you can see her slipping and he just looks horrified. Mm-hmm. And I thought... And he knows damn well he can't get anywhere near her. Yeah, and I thought, oh, they're not going to kill her. They're not, are they? Because up until this point, I thought, no, they're not. Because it's a family show. There's yeah. no way they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. And then the moment her finger slipped and I thought, oh, my God, they are. And watch it. <laughs> and then that, that close-up of her screaming as she's falling. And I thought, oh, this is a bit horrible, really. Um, and then, obviously, it's sort of you find out what happens then. Um, but the one thing that struck my family when I was watching it, my mom and my sister both had said this at the time, she's pounding on that wall trying to sort of get to the doctor and my mom just said i like her when she cries her mascara runs <laughs> yeah it's very non-american television shall we say mm. it's not about the glam that she is very human uh i and one of the things that struck me in the towards the end of this episode as well is peter tyler's character first off allowing both both mickey and peter to stand off in the whole thing and just stand by her, stand by Rose. But I don't know how to explain it. There's a few scenes where they're standing off and you see them in the distance. And a couple times we get, a, we get the treat of having a close-up on them, hmm. on, on Mickey and, and Peter. And their eyes and their grief and what they're feeling, they understand. And they're allowing her to feel that way. Yeah. And I was thinking about it with, with Mickey as well. First of all, Noel Clark. And um, Sean Dingman, just incredible in the story. Um, mm-hmm. Enjoyable, believable characters, and never, never in the in the second series do we ever are they ever played for the fools? Um, never are they reduced to a stereotype. They've always. There's always I was thinking, wow, um, Peter Tyler calls. Jackie, Jacks. I mean, little details like that. Very human details. Yeah. He has a pet name for her and things like that. Just, just allow us to believe these characters. Mm. And that w- that was quite touching. The bit where she sort of reunited with him in that yeah. corridor. It's one of my favorite scenes in this episode. With a little humor. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. A little bit of humor with a how rich, yeah. you know. And understandable know. humor as well. It wasn't sort of jackhammered into the audience or anything like that. It was quite subtly done. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't feel hurried as well. It's the fact that they'd had these really emotionally pounding moments where, you know, she's running for her life and you're thinking, oh, God, how is she going to get out of this? And then they can take all of this time just to have this almost seemingly relaxed reunion with Pete. I mean, I must admit, there was one point where I was thinking, aren't those Cybermen still coming up the stairs? That's just what I was going to say. They set up the Cybermen coming up the stairs and there's this long scene there. 
And you're like, oh boy, you know, this yeah, is kid blast. Russell T. Davies in the commentary comments on this and where he's, you know, if he had to do it over again, they would have like somehow sealed the doors or somehow yeah. made some sort of excuse, you know, to why they had that moment, you know, to do what they could do. But How do we the only way weren't just continuing to go up to the roof or something, you know, like. Well, yeah, maybe they didn't see a duck out through the door, you know, because uh, obviously the Daleks can. Distinguish your left. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if, if the Daleks can whoop their asses so easily that, you know, they don't really see Jackie ducking out of a door, you know. Hello, Jax. I said there were ghosts, but that's not fair. Why him? I'm not a ghost. But you're dead. You died 20 years ago, Pete. It's Pete from a different universe. There are parallel worlds, Jackie. Every single decision we make creates a parallel existence, a different dimension where... Oh, you can shut up. <sighs> you look old. You don't. How can you be standing there? Just got lucky. Lived my life. You were left on your own. You didn't marry again, or... There was never anyone else. Twenty years, though. Look at me, I never left that flat. Did nothing with myself. You brought her up. Rose Tyler. That's not bad. Yeah. In my world, it worked. All those daft little plans of mine, they worked. Maybe rich. I don't care about that. How rich? Very. I don't care about that. How very. Thing is, though, Jax, you, you're not my wife. I'm sorry, but you're not. I mean, we're both. You know, it's just sort of. Oh, come here. Well, the, the interplay between the Daleks and Cybermen. Oh, while, yeah. The dialogue. <laughs> while, com while comical was well handled, it yeah. never got, again, it never got to the point for me, it, it never got to the point of being um, uh, silly. Silly, yes. Mm. 
they milk the tension well i say milk that's an unfair word really they built up the tension very well in the f sequence where the two cybermen face off against the dalek in that corridor because you're just sat there on the edge of your seat thinking who's gonna shoot first <laughs> who's gonna identify themselves first yeah <laughs> that was uh, that was very well done and the fact that they then sort of had the visual sequences so that all of the supporting characters can also tune in on the standoff as well mm. it, that was a, a very very well done scene yes visual contact established established visual contact lower communications barrier Like Stephen Hawkins meets a speaking clock. And illogical, you will modify. Daleks do not take orders. You have identified as Daleks. Outline resembles the inferior species known as Cybermen. Rose said about the Daleks. She was terrified of them. What have they done to her doctor if she did? Dalek saying, you know, 500, he said 500,000 or, or, or 5 million Cybermen, four Daleks, and he's like, we, the Dalek responds, we only need one to beat you. Uh, just the Dalek's cockiness, yeah. you know, melted down to one simple sentence, and, that, and, and it, it was shown, you know, we, through Russell T. Davies' Dalek episodes, we've seen that one single Dalek is incredibly powerful. Hmm. Um, I, being a Cyberman guy myself, didn't really like the Cybermen being reduced to, to helpless. So, yeah. You know, um, that, 
you know, I'm a little, uh, well, whatever. I know everybody. They were just cannon fodder, really, weren't they, unfortunately? Yeah, the, the, the Brits love the, the Daleks, so, you know, maybe I'm just a Cyberman guy. What can I tell you? But <laughs> hmm. um, the, Then the, the transposition of the Doctor and the Daleks, and he's saying, you know, 500 Cybermen, uh, 500, uh, Rose saying 5 million Cybermen, you know, may may be a joke to you, but one doctor, you know, you know, and then they just they're just terrified. Hmm. Uh, play on the Mastercard commercials that that um, sure the UK have as well as the US with the you know the priceless um, marketing campaign. Where, you know, and, and you notice this it's the second time in the series that I've seen the Daleks sort of slightly back up when they're surprised by something. Um, yeah. The, you know, the first time was when Christopher Eccleston bulls them out in the mm -hmm. uh, last season finale, and then this time, Rose oh. mentions the Doctor, and they all sort of jump back slightly. That was mm -hmm. cool. And yeah. I love the reverence when they mentioned the Emperor Dalek and like the Emperor Dalek. It was like mm. like Homer Simpson and donuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were. They were. I mean, these guys. What this cult of Scaro? I mean, I have to admit, I do not have the depth and breadth of knowledge of you guys. Has this ever been mentioned before in Doctor Who? No, I don't no. think so. Yeah. I, I, oh, there, there were Daleks with names, Alpha and and, and Beta. Uh, going back to Evil of the Daleks, um, that was when Patrick Troughton's Doctor humanized them. He, he introduced the human element into them. And sort of gave them names or whatever, um, but I, I pretty much I'm pretty sure it ended there. Um, so this was something again introduced by the new Doctor Who team. Uh, I guess just another layer of things. Uh, uh, let me get your your take on this. Uh, both of you guys, uh, were you surprised at what was inside the Genesis Ark? Well, it was you know it was surprising once it was revealed that it was a Time Lord device, you know, and because there was so much speculation on what the Genesis Arc was, and we all just assumed since it was Dalek shaped that it was a Dalek invention or a Dalek creation, you know. So it was uh, when it was initially said, you know, its origins were that of the Time Lord's planet. And, and is it odd that they, they they still haven't mentioned used the word the name Gallifrey in the series yet? Um, <laughs> It's always the Time Lord's home world or whatever. So anyway, um, so then it just all our speculations kind of went out the window and started like reevaluating what it could be. And hmm. um, so I, I thought that was an interesting twist. I did think when we first saw this thing closing up on the camera, there was a blue light on the top. And I thought, oh, God, is it going to be Davros? <laughs> and I, I well, was kind of hoping it wasn't going to be. I, I think that was intentional. They were trying to, you know, make us think that. And I said that in the forums. I, was like, I think Davros is too obvious an answer. I'm very pleased it wasn't Davros. I'm, I'm mm. Davros out. To be honest with you. <laughs> well, there are ways. There are ways of using him again. I mean, big finish in the. Um, they did a special um, for the. Uh, what was the last anniversary of the Doctor? The fortieth. Um, they did a series of three um, adventures for different Doctors up against different sort of um, enemies, and the sixth Doctor came up against Davros, and they kind of handled that in a, a really intelligent way. They sort of looked into his past and into his character, and they didn't have the Daleks. And it was really interesting that sort of um, sort of tennis match between him and the Doctor in terms of intellect again. So there are ways of doing it, but I'm glad it wasn't done here. I think that would have been just too many things being thrown into the mix. And and I and I'm not anti Davros. I actually would I think I would appreciate him more with Big Finish because 
Big Finish has the, the luxury of building up to things or taking their time with certain things and developing certain things that, that you don't have the luxury of in a 45-minute high-budget television series. Yeah. I, so I, to me, I don't have a problem with them being in Big Finish, actually. I kind of like that. Uh, it would, for me, it would be a chance to reevaluate the character. But I, don't, I wouldn't want to see him in the new series. Um, and, no. and to Lewis's comment about them not mentioning Gallifrey, I'm wondering if that's intentional by Russell D. Davies. Uh, I hadn't actually noticed that yet. <laughs> my my theory that Gallifrey's in hiding or somehow they're, um, they're, there's a reason why they're not using the name. Um, I don't know. It'll be fun to find out. Come see Copyright I reasons. <laughs> time will tell. You know. Well, I, as far as I know, BBC owns. You know, it's it's all. It's not like Terry Nation where, you know, that. So I, I don't know. I mean, the I, guy I, who wrote the Deadly Assassin has. Uh, oh my! Did he? Was that was Gallifrey no, the first time Ro- that was mentioned? Robert Holmes mentioned it in the Time Warrior. That was the first time um, that it was ever, the, the, the planet name was ever used. I've got two other points on the Genesis device. Sure. Mm-hmm. One is, why call it the Genesis device? Because Genesis, to me, I'm not sort of any biblical expert, suggests either beginnings or creation. And that didn't do either. It wasn't the beginning of the Daleks, and it didn't create them. It just sort of held them. So why have they got this biblical reference? And secondly, why come to Earth with it um, if they need a time traveler, unless they were after somebody like Sarah Jane? Yeah, well, to to answer the second one first... um, if you listen to the commentary for this episode, Russell T. Davies sort of tries to get around that as well, where um, they, because he asked the same, Russell T. Davies asked the same question of himself, you know, regarding why did they come to Earth, you know, and, you know, they, they, he just writes it off saying that modern day England would be um, the the best possible uh, chance to find a time traveler. Uh, Oh, I don't course. understand wh- why oh, well, they would. That's where all the trendy time travelers are hanging out these days, isn't <laughs> well, it? You apparently, know. that's uh, the the ninth and tenth Doctor hang out there um, more often than any other Doctor. So it's new brick cool again, isn't it? You know, brick culture. <laughs> so um, yeah, it, w- it wasn't really a um, a a explanation that you know it was just sort of like a throwaway explanation. So it's co- it's. Co- kind of a james bond film type ego isn't it what was it uh, was it golden eye or whatever that said that they were going to sort of use a satellite device and strike london with it and i thought mm, the rest of the world's going to be bothered by that aren't they <laughs> um, so now it's not just attacking the world it's like the entire universe now um uh, concentrating on london so uh... and to answer the, the genesis part of the question i i just think it was um you know, genesis of the Daleks, and there was some kind of you know, it was just a, it was just a, um, a name that sounded. Um, it sounded cool. I, I'll go with that. Uh, I, I don't think. Well, if know, I was a little disappointed. Well, I, if I saw it as a way, uh, sort of a rebirth of the Daleks. You, you know, using this prison ship to, since their race has been now destroyed for all intents and purposes, they didn't know the Emperor survived, and so they're thinking they're the they're the last four remaining Daleks, and inside think- this prison ship is the seed to regrow the Dalek Empire Daleks again. Named the, the oh, crumbs! That's 
That's very existentialist of the Daleks, isn't it? <laughs> well, Crikey. They had a lot of time on their hands in the void. Evidently, yes. <laughs> Lewis, your take is that the, the Daleks named the Genesis Ark, not the Time Lord. Oh, yes, yeah. I, I, I took it as a Dalek name. They have reference to it. Not, I'm sure the Time Lords wouldn't... I, I, it wouldn't make no sense for them to call it the Genesis Ark. Okay, so well, it's, it's gone all Radio <laughs> Three here again. Um, so, um, can I it, just say as well? Sure. Um, mm -hmm. Now that we know the ending to the season two, I think it gives the alternate universe and why it was alternate universe Cybermen. For me, that makes a lot more sense because. I feel that the reason they were in the alternate universe and uh, the reason that these things took out the alternate Jackie kind of leads up to the departure of Rose. Well, and it works. Yeah, it works very much in their favor so they can make it nice, tidy, clean exit, you know, because mm. there's no other way they could have done this without really it being messy. Yeah. But that and now a lot of people were saying, well, why, why didn't they just use sort of the Cybermen in this universe? Why did they have to use Cybermen from an alternate universe? And really, it's the only reason I can think of that makes sense, because they have to do something that means that Rose is separated from the Doctor and can't get back to him. And therefore, if they do Cybermen in this universe, they've got no reason to jump over to a parallel universe or anything. Well, yes, I agree. The true test will be now whether or not we'll get to see our universe Cybermen in the future. Yeah. You know, or is it always going to be this alternate um, Cybermen you know, that we Lewis, see? You made a good point yesterday about the when, plot hole. When we were watching this, that there are, there are two. Well, holes. two that we know of, there's probably <laughs> more. If, if we can backtrack, we know um, that, that whole end sequence where they open up um, and, and the, the rift or whatever to, and suck everything back into the void. And, and this is done because uh, that particle, that void matter around that surrounding people and, and, and anything that's been through um, the void between the, the, the universes um, gets sucked back in. So that's why Rose and, and the Doctor were um, in danger of being sucked in it because they've been through it, but uh, Jackie wasn't. Uh, but there's a, a little plot hole is that, well, we know that the Daleks get sucked back through it, and we know the Cybermen get sucked back through the cracks in, in, in the universes. Uh, but what about the new Cybermen that the, new, that the Cybermen were constructing or, or upgrading the humans? True. They didn't have that. They didn't, haven't been through the, the, the void. They haven't been between the universes. So they didn't have that matter, that particle of matter around them. So um, uh, the Avon Cybermen, the, you know, um, the, the, the head of this Torchwood, um, you know, she's still on Earth, um, as well as any void. other upgraded humans that they've done already. Yeah, she never crossed the void. She was only on, in this universe. And then the Black Dalek uses some kind of temporal something or other to get away. Yeah. In our universe. When you actually look at that episode, though, um, I don't think you actually do see any Cybermen flying into this um, sort of void, do no, you? No, I think it's only Daleks. The, yeah, Russell, again, just by listening to the commentary, I learned that um, they get sucked. If you remember, the Doctor talks about the cracks in, between the universes. You know, for, there's the portal, and then it creates all this, like, shattered, like the shattered glass analogy. Oh, the fractures. The fractures. So the Cybermen actually get sucked through the fractures. The, the, only the Daleks get sucked through that that um, that wall. 
Ah, right. Um, that kind of makes sense and also doesn't that, make sense at the same well, time. Well, because that's the way the Cybermen came in. Apparently, ah, right. that's how they, that's how Russell T. Davies explained it. Went it. back out the same way they came in. I, I yeah. Use the same door I you came in through. Four times and never picked up on that. No, that's that's kind of a bit of a reach for me, simply because most of the Daleks came out of that Genesis thing, sort of. So by proxy, I'd say it will be just as easy for them to go back through the cracks. But ah, well, never mind. When we watch, <laughs> when we watched it together last night. I thought that the Genesis arc escaped with the Black Dalek, but on the on the watching it multiple times, it looks like the Genesis arc gets sucked it back into the into the alternate universe. Yeah, it seems to. It seems to be going towards Canary Wharf at anyway at one point. So only by that rationale, only the Black Dalek escaped. Mm -hmm. uh, kind kind of the Darth Vader Dalek. <laughs> to answer Lewis's question to me last night, he we were watching it, and he said, "I think." By accident, there was a flub in there, and that there was a Cyberman without his helmet. Yeah, no, on. I watched it again. It was and actually it was a soldier. A, a soldier, yeah. There were soldiers behind the Cyberman. Yeah, Alex the, the first time I saw it, I, I said, "Was that a Cyberman without a helmet?" And then I, on uh, watching it again, I realized it was a one of the tortured soldiers. Yes. Which begs the question: Here we have Cybermen on Earth, Daleks on Earth, um, ghosts on Earth, or for all intents and purposes, before they were revealed as Cybermen. Yet no unit to be seen at all. You would think there would be at least a mention, a throwaway yeah. line. But it would not have been kind of nice if those soldiers on the bridge had been unit soldiers. Yes, just something like that, just to give some, you know, you know, it's Continuity. not like. Yeah, I mean, we've seen unit last year, so it's not like you know, right? They it's don't not exist like they're anymore. Ignoring them altogether. Yeah, but but they're established here in the 21st century. It's not like they shut down Unit, and we can explain it that way, that Torchwood is now, you know, taken over from Unit or whatever. So Unit does still exist. Why not have some sort of, um, you know, reference to it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think they, they... I don't like the fact that they've sort of used Torchwood as the reason to get rid of Unit altogether. I, I think that's, yeah. uh, that, that's a little... That's one of the... The only disappointing thing having to I've constantly seen. reinvent everything for the new series. Yeah, and I don't have I don't have a problem with reinventing some of the baddies, um, because you know someone like to say the Cybermen we know have always evolved. So to see them evolve is a is a natural thing in Doctor Who. The Daleks weren't so reinvented that they're opposite of what we've seen in the past. But I do believe that Torchwood is. Uh, the one place where they went a little too far, I think we could have kept Unit around and, and still made it relevant in uh, in 2006 or 2005. Well, it's going to be interesting seeing the series because it's going to be a, a, apparently a, a different Torchwood and apparently, I guess, maybe Torchwood changes its ways after Doomsday and um, mm -hmm. it may have... Um, whereas this one, Ken, you had mentioned it was had a... Men in Black feel to it, so yeah. perhaps um, the series will have a different direction, a different flavor, oh, no. a different taste to it. I I'm I'm predicting maybe a little more X Files tone to it yeah. than Men in Black. Yeah, I hope it will be darker in tone. Um, this this was kind of like the sort of the James Bond villain base type mm -hmm. Torchwood. The yeah. thing that you see in is really impressive, and then gets destroyed about ten minutes later. Um, whereas I hope that the other Torchwood is going to be much more subversive and obviously much more aimed at adults. Mm -hmm. And speaking of Torchwoods now, we know from this story, well, we knew this going back to Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel, that there was a Torchwood in this alternate universe, Earth. And, um, and then again, it's reinforced 
in Doomsday, you know, and the, they, in fact, uh, Rose is probably going to be working for this Torchwood in or this ultimate even universe. Head it up. <laughs> so, but that kind of, you know, we know that Torchwood was created um, because of the Doctor, really. So there's, you know, so there's probably an alternate universe Doctor as well, mm. at, yeah. which begs the question that there's probably an alternate. Gallifrey, and maybe they didn't. Ex- maybe they still exist. You know, so well, the time lords could exist. That's where the time lords are hiding. Or Some, somebody oh, on one yeah. of the forums had made an intriguing. Whoops! Somebody at the door again. Um, <laughs> somebody <laughs> at one of the forums had made a very interesting suggestion that perhaps this is why Rose has decided to work for Torchwood. She says to the Doctor, "They need somebody who's an expert on aliens." But then. Torchwood was set up to investigate the Doctor, so maybe this is her chance to actually find out how to come across mm. the next so Doctor. So maybe she's going to be a companion to this alternate universe's Doctor. <laughs> or do something to try and get back to um, our Earth and in some future series come back as somebody that does something that is nearly devastating in her attempts to actually, a misguided attempt to actually get back to our universe. You never know. Mm. Well, so a couple quick uh, random thoughts on, on this, on Doomsday. Uh, Loved, to, loved the idea of seeing Jake again. But he was a yeah. great character, and mm-hmm. I think he would have made, could have made a, um, an interesting companion. I thought he was a... He was I just think so as character. well. I think it would have been interesting. Um, well, but then he would have to break up with, with Mickey, but... Well, um, not necessarily. We haven't seen his, his, this universe's version of Jake, have we? Oh, that's true. That's true. And Who, last time I saw, was working as a children's TV presenter, you know, so... <laughs> then we have... Um, the idea that the family is reunited in the alternate universe. Um, we leave. We're left. We leave Rose with a mother and a father and a family unit, a boyfriend, um, a brother or sister on the way. Apparently, uh, wealthy, in charge mm-hmm. of Torchwood or working for Torchwood at least. I mean, really, left. You know, that the audience can feel good about Rose's departure. We're never. Um, ah, but then. Look on this, she's got all of this, and yet she hasn't got the one thing that she really does want, which is to be with the Doctor. And one mm. of the greatest lines in the story is, um, and the, the Doctor says to her, you're, um, you're living the adventure I'll never have. Mm. Which is just, a, a, again, a, a, upon multiple viewings, it made more and more sense to me, and it became that much deeper. Yeah. The pun. Well, that's sort of a going back to Father's Day when you know he he speaks to the the wedding the 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 bride and groom in 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 that in the church and talking how ordinary their lives are and and, and how he would never have a life like that. Right. Yeah. Um, just really, I mean, there's so much to be said about the story. I, um, individually, I couldn't give it a five hardest grown review because you, you really do need army of ghosts and to be yeah. quite honest with you, you really do need rise of the cybermen age of steel to complete this story um, but it is the finale of an epic two or four part adventure depending on your take and a, a fantastic uh, finale not only to series two but to the two year journey of, of rose tyler and mm. Um, and and bravo to um, um, Billy Piper. That's showbiz, you know. She's not been gone for a day, and he's forgotten her already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
no, Doctor I, Who fans. There's so much running <laughs> through my mind about it, and and yeah, but but bravo to, to Billy Piper for being spectacular and and being like Christopher Eccleston, um, an integral part of bringing back. Doctor Who. And, and, and she surprised everyone in the process because everyone had their doubts about her being a pop singer and coming onto the show and, you know, without seeing her act before. Yeah. And she proved remarkable. Mm. Or random thought as well. A little disappointed that we didn't see Captain Jack. We, we, they found a way to get everyone I, into the mm -hmm. story. Yeah, I wasn't expecting I, him. I, I really wasn't. I'd, I'd completely forgotten about him. So I suppose that's how good the episode was. It would have been nice, but... Some, they're going to introduce him in Torchwood, obviously, the series, but I mm. really well, was not expecting him in here. I mean, because we knew he wasn't going to be in Series 2. I mean, that's not to say, you know, yeah, they're not we lying. Thought, we <laughs> thought Rose was going to be in Series 3. So That's you know. what I'm saying. I mean, um, they knew from the beginning that, that Billy Piper was leaving, so that whole press announcement about that David Tennant and Billy Piper signed on for next series was a load of horseradishes. So well, that makes me think then maybe maybe we're we're uh, this new companion announcement is just a uh, <laughs> Billy Piper's horse. actually coming back for series three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a double bluff. She, Catherine Tate's going to rip her mask off and it'll be surprise, Doctor. I've got a dress. <laughs> we're getting married. That's, that would be the ultimate cliffhanger, wouldn't it? <laughs> Horrible scream of the music and the doctor's look of horror on his face. <laughs> yeah, too funny. But they've got to be—they have got to be careful how they handle the introduction of this new companion. And I think that's probably why they've put this piece in with Catherine Tate. If, as I suspect, it's going to be a more light-hearted sort of thing for Christmas. Um, then, I mean, they can't just have the Doctor going, oh, it's dreadful, I've completely lost tears stroll, um, down his cheeks all the way. Um, and then all of a sudden, Rose who? And he's off with somebody else, you know. Um, yeah. they, they probably have got her in to be sort of a bit of a buffer, an emotional buffer for the audience, and give time to sort of let people get Rose out of their system and then onto a new adventure with a new companion. She's the rebound. Yeah, basically. <laughs> She, she's kind of the stepping stone between the companions, I think. Yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, and, um, and, and there probably are... Hopefully it's not going to be silly, but hopefully... I mean, if it is a lighthearted episode, let's hope it's just a lighthearted episode, not anything too silly. That's well, it, it, it's going to be interesting because she is an older companion. Well, if she actually turns out to be a companion. And one of the things I've liked about oh, the big you're finish... About, you're talking uh, about... Catherine um, Tate, I mean. Oh, okay, she's 27. Well, she's well. She's old, obviously. For to somebody who's like Billy's age, which or Rose's age rather, which is what nineteen yeah. and twenty-seven is like so much older. But I mean, she also. I suspect um, that she is playing a character that is older than that again, because she just she does have this sort of slightly desperate. Oh, you know, I may be middle-aged woman. Well, I, I, the the new companion um, is twenty-seven. Oh no, no, um, not not the um, um Catherine Tate though. I think. Catherine in, Tate is the one in the Runaway Bride, not the um, um, girl that was in Crossroads. Yeah, I, that's coming in. Twenty-seven is. Um, I'm sorry. Let me stand corrected or sit corrected. Is it's Freemer Adjaman who plays Martha Jones. Um, she's she's twenty-seven. I'm I'm not sure the age of um, Catherine, Catherine Tate. Catherine Tate. I, I no. Take that back. Um, so um, 
But one of the things I'd liked with the big finish ones, particularly when they did The Sixth Doctor and Evelyn Smythe, um, she was a woman that had a life experience and was not somebody who was going to be in awe of the Doctor straight away. Kind of in the same way that Jackie was when she steps out of the TARDIS with the Doctor in Torchwood and he's like, you know, be careful with her ankles going. And she doesn't sort of <laughs> say anything. She's like, I'll show you where my ankle's going. And I kind of like that because it's not what you'd expect from a companion, somebody who's going to have a bit of a fight with the Doctor. Um, um, so I don't know. They they could either do this really well with Catherine Tate, or it could end up being a load of old guff. We'll have to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, right, we're 169 more days. Mm-hmm. Let's give our TARDIS groan portion of the review, and um, I am going to give it five TARDIS groans uh, for strictly on emotional reasons. I, I think you know if I was going to be very critical of an X's and O's. I might go four and a half, but you just, it's, it's a spectacular finish um, to a very good season. Um, and, and I think I'm going to suggest that to Lewis that in an upcoming Podshock, we do an overall season review in comparison of Series 1 and Series yeah, 2. Yeah, we, we are planning to do that show. So, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm going to. Um... When I first saw it, I, I was thinking uh, four and a half, but I, I kind of enjoyed it the second time around only because of, you know, what we've already explained about how, you know, we were just sort of trying to absorb it all the first time around. And then once you knew what to expect, then you were able to enjoy it on a different level. So um, I think I'm going to give it five Taurus groans um, as well. And, you know, and, and then if I can extend that to the whole story, Army of Ghosts and, and this combined, it will still be five TARDIS groans that what I would have done differently though is what I had even though this story uh Doomsday moves along very nicely and it doesn't really seem rushed but at the same time I think I might have enjoyed this whole story been told as a three-parter only because there's just so much to tell from the beginning of Doomsday to the end of Doomsday that you didn't really have that much time to play with it all and um, and this may be more fitting for when we talk about the series as a whole, but I, what I would have done differently was to make this a three-parter, skip Love and Monsters, that comes to no surprise to some people. <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, and, and in fact, after Satan's Pit, go right into Army of Ghosts. Uh, the, two, the, the, the two episodes that I'm dropping, take that money and budget that for a third episode to tell this story. Um, so that, because here you have these gigantic icons of Doctor Who, Cybermen, and Daleks on Earth for the first time, you know, fighting each other, whatever. And maybe if you had more time to explore some of that and some of the, you know, the Earth's perspective on that and just kind of had more time to play with all this fun stuff going on. You know, uh, the production team keeps on commenting, you know, this is like, every, you know, every Doctor Who's fan's dream come true, whatever. So it might have warranted a, a three-parter. Uh, I don't think it suffers for it, but I just I thought it might have been you know worked better that way. I guess and the only other like I'm I'm glad you know unlike Age of Steel where the Cybermen just went crazy and started self exploding and stuff like that we didn't see any of that this time. Uh, the only little silliness was the tear the cyber tear on um, Avon Cybermen. <laughs> <laughs> that, I thought that was a little corny. Oh, are but. we allowed to say that in this day of um, you know political correctness? Is it surely she should be a cyber person? 
<laughs> that's I'm right. Kidding. Don't worry, I'm not <laughs> okay, serious. Okay, cyber person. <laughs> Um, okay, my feel um, on the positives with Doomsday, I thought the music was excellent and used oh, a very yes, good yeah. effect. Very good cinematic feel, especially at the beginning and the end sequences. I mean, that bit where they were just touching the wall and looking into space, but it's made to look as if they're looking at each other was absolutely fantastically done and very simple. Um, a heck of a lot was in it, even though it didn't seem very rushed. Um, the fact that they had such an emotionally mature handling of this whole departure sequence for what is a family audience um, and the fact that I didn't know what was going to happen which was a, a stark difference to last year when we all knew what was going to happen with Christopher mm -hmm. Eccleston like the good team so they worked well together as a group and they were all people that you know we've met during the series and unfortunately we've now got to sort of get used to a whole load of new people some very good classic sequences like the Cyberman Dalek standoff and I like the character of Yvonne Hartman whatever happened to her um, I do have a few slight niggles in terms of the whole issue of the Genesis device and its name and what it did and all that um, um, the fact that Cybermen were a bit rubbish, really. Um, mm -hmm. I would have liked to have seen at least one Dalek blow up, um, especially yeah. with that gun that they had in that sequence, which seemed to disable them at one I, point. And I thought it was going to happen when uh, that, I, I guess it was the gold Dalek, uh, it was his shields were giving out or something like that. Yeah. Or I, I thought he was going to be a goner. And the only other niggle I had was the fact that when you start seeing people getting exterminated, the Doctor and everyone's just having this slow conversation about, oh, look, I'll seal it. And, you know, there's people dying out there. Do something. Um, <laughs> but on the plus side, and this completely overweighs everything, Derek Akora is out of work. So five out of five got to be. <laughs> I'm sure um, James will be very pleased with that as well. <laughs> So, oh yes, definitely. We, me and James are of one mind on this one, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. We all gave it all five out of five. Yes. And I should add as well, I, I mean, I hear everybody talking about, you know, oh, I'll give this five out of five. Um, and there's a few that I don't agree with, but this one I do think wholeheartedly. There's only this episode and The Impossible Planet I would have given a five out of five to out of the whole series so yeah and i just and i know i said this before and I, uh i i do agree with you colin and and i know ken does as well that murray gold is just it's just outstanding you know and i, mm. I i'm hoping that there will be a soundtrack available yeah, at one when point. are we gonna see that you know it's I, about, bbc if you're listening for god's sake put one out <laughs> we we really I mean, have like a little gem a little that little extra like murray gold the music could very easily be taken for granted, and here we have a guy who's just, he takes a great show and he, and he just adds that one extra mm. bit, and it's just, just amazing to me. You know? and, and, um, and 160 something, 160 something days to Christmas, plenty of time to get it onto CD and into the shops. You <laughs> Absolutely, know. yes. It's not and, much to ask. And you got two seasons worth, or two series worth of material to put on a CD, so there's more Let's than get enough a material. Box set. <laughs> exactly you know you could you could put it in that i mean murray if you're listening let us know simply phone into on the pod shop line you know <laughs> that's it's right not too much to ask and uh as a little preview we do have um a marigold interview coming up in a future doctor who pod shock so something to look forward to yes cool <laughs> all right so all right, we'll be right back with more doctor who pod shock right ken took the words right out of my mouth <laughs> <laughs> you scene stealer you <laughs>
Hi, this is Trevor. David. Tony. And I'm Jeff, and we're the MMM Commentary Team. And if you want to listen to fun and exciting alternate commentaries of your favourite sci-fi, listen to us. You're listening to the Gallifreyan Embassy's Podshock. MMMcommentaries.com Okay, welcome back to Doctor Who Podshock with our feedback section. Okay, we're getting, we get lots of feedback uh, all the time and we do appreciate it and we try to get as much as on the show as possible. So um, to that end, we're going to uh, start today's show since we're, we were speaking of Doomsday and we did our review of Doomsday. Uh, our, uh, our, at least our audio feedback will focus just on, on Doomsday. So we have uh, John in the UK and he's giving his um, wrap up on um, the most recent Doctor Who story, Doomsday. So here's John. Hello, Podshockers. It's John Innes here from the UK. I just thought I'd call with um, my thanks for all that you do on Podshock. It's a great listen, and um, I find myself spending huge amounts of time listening to you on the way home and back uh, home and to work. Um, I just thought I'd give a call to let you know what I thought of Doomsday. I'm sure lots of people are phoning in. It's a great episode. Um, fantastic to the Daleks and Cybermen. Great effects. Brilliant to see Doctor Who back on form after a couple of episodes. And I agree with Lewis here that were appalling. I mean, there were some nice bits about Fear Her and uh, Love of the Monsters, but they were few and far between. And the, the fact that the Doctor and Rose are hardly in Love of the Monsters. Um, was its major flaw, really. Um, so, with uh, Army of Ghosts and Doomsday, great to see things back on form and everything um, coming together. Great way of finishing the series. Um, we all thought, of course, that we would see Captain Jack there, but um, of course he didn't appear. Um, interesting that it didn't lead into Torchwood, which is really what we had all expected would happen. And nice to see a sort of wrap-up from Mickey, Jackie, and Pete, and Rose all together on the alternative world at the end. It'll be interesting to see how they manage to uh, take the series on from here, as Rose and the whole Tyler family were really the thing that anchored the Doctor to Earth. Not sure about the idea of using the girl from um, Age of Steel as the new companion, of course, it's been done before with actors playing characters again, but never quite so close together. So a little bit unsure about it, but we'll wait and see what happens. Um, the thing that's really distressing me is the idea of Catherine Tate in the Christmas special. I find her just appallingly unfunny. And um, my big worry is that it's going to be another one of Russell's um, Peter Kay-style Let's do something for the families. Let's get in a bit of cross-media, something from another BBC show that really doesn't suit Doctor Who. So, love Doomsday. We could have just chopped off that last couple of minutes at the end or that last 30 seconds, and it would have been a perfect episode. Interesting to see that um, this series closer mirrored the last one almost exactly, which I'm not sure if it's a good thing or not. Daleks being being exterminated in a sense, being pulled into the void, um, and 
and then ending with with a little quip. You know, we had Barcelona at the end of last episode, and then we have Catherine Tate with a little bit of humour at the end of this one. We'll see. I await the Christmas special with some trepidation, but as ever, Doctor Who always good value. Thanks again, guys, for Podshock, and thanks for listening to my blathering on for a couple of minutes. Cheers. Take care. Well, um, not being a having no um, familiarity with Catherine Tate, I and Colin had a, an opposing viewpoint. So um, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, this Christmas story will be more. Um, you know, they could, like I said earlier, if they do a lighthearted, fun episode, is fine as long as. You know, it's not silly like Love and Monsters. I'll be or happy. as long as we know what to expect. That's the main thing. I suppose, yes. Um, I just keep it believable. That's yeah. my. That's that. That's all I ask for. Keep it believable, guys. And um, obviously, he he meant Army of Ghosts, not Age of Steel, when she, he said the the actress. Um, that's um, you, you know, as he said himself, it's been done before. Not so close together, but you know, maybe shooting schedule-wise, it's close together. But we won't be seeing her as a new companion until next spring, so you know, it will be almost like a year gap there for the viewing audience, and and probably people, the casual viewer, probably would have forgotten her in her character, Adele, Adela, I forget her name, the character's name that she played in um, Army of Ghosts. Oh right, I thought you were going to say what the next one was, Martha, but uh... yeah, Martha Jones. Mm. But I mean, and I think that more to the pity because you know, the, if they just kept that character in, they could have had her still dead. You know, Tennant could have had her sort of propped up on the uh, coat rack and could have <laughs> just been moving her mouth with his fingers. You know, oh, right, that would have been slightly different, probably a bit gruesome, but it's a, a direction that Doctor Who has never gone in before. In the <laughs> yeah. What was I mean, that, Cam? It could have been the Weekend at Bernie's. It could have been the same slapstick humour that all Doctor Who fans love across the world. <laughs> It'll be the Graham Williams. <laughs> I am, of course, joking, just in case. <laughs> if the laughter didn't give it away. Yeah. <laughs> all righty. So, um, any other comments on that? Um... No, I mean, fair point. Um, as I've said, people seem to have um, opposing viewpoints on Catherine Tate. Um, I think all we can do is wait and see. Um, yeah. It could be something that I hope it is something that, um, in a nice way, that sort of the people who don't like Catherine Tate will be proved wrong on. Um, not just so that I can go, I told you so, but because I would like it to be an episode that everybody really does love and enjoy and everybody gets a chance to go, Oh, that was that was cool. That that was a lot better than I expected. That was really good, and wow, she is really talented. As opposed to having a load of posts on various different forums going, oh, I said she'd be rubbish. Mm. Well, I, as I said, uh, I think Simon Pegg pulled off a, a, a great villain in the long game, and mm. um, and I really didn't have a problem with um, Peter K himself. Um, I had other problems with that episode, obviously, but uh, yeah. Peter K himself, I really didn't have a problem with, and. You know, it's okay for an alien or a creature to have a, a sense of humor. Why not? So, um, but we'll see. We'll see what this um, Donner is, is the character's name that Martha, uh, that um, Catherine Kate <laughs> is. Uh, all these new names <laughs> going into the mix. Kate Tate, yeah, that's going to be cool. <laughs> so um, we'll see. Um, let's hope for the best and we'll hopefully won't be disappointed. So, um, Ken, any other comments? 
All right, so we're going to move on. <laughs> no, that's fine. Short to the point. <laughs> I didn't want to cut him off before moving on to the next piece of feedback. Keeping in the Doomsday theme, uh, Judy, also known as Satya Sticks on our forums, from Massachusetts, uh, had uh, came in uh, with some audio feedback last night after viewing um, Doomsday. So this is what Judy had to say. Hello, Podshot. This is Judy Satya Sticks from the board, and I just got finished watching Doomsday. And I have to say, Wow. Absolutely wow. Total wow. Best ending yet. This episode, I'm trying not to go into spoilers, but this episode was fantastic. The interaction between the Daleks and the Cybermen, you can't get any better than that. The ending, a little drawn out, but hey, my opinion, great to see Rose go in no key to get back to her. Fantastic. I absolutely love this one, and you cannot wait to see this. Absolutely brilliant, as the doctor would say. The ending has a tiny little twist. It gets you sucked right in there for the Christmas special. And you'll know what I'm talking about when you see it. But this is... That episode was a total five TARDIS groans out of five. See you on the boards. Bye-bye. As I said to you last, and I might have said it in the past, Podshocks, is that uh, I really thought that the character Rose played better last year with the Ninth Doctor. I just thought the chemistry... And this is not any knock against David Tennant or Billy Piper in in the news in, in this series. I just felt just that the brooding Doctor and and um, Rose kind of um, working playing off of that had a better chemistry or feel to it than I and and this and and they brought the character Rose from the the episode Rose to Parting of the Ways. She grown she had grown so much that it didn't really leave that much room for her to grow in this series. And um, so even though I, I, I did like some of the elements in this series where she, you did see her taking the lead on investigating and working things out on her own and not relying so much on the doctor. And uh, it, it sort of reminded me of like the Diana Rigg from the Avengers and where sometimes she would go off and investigate without Mr. Steed and it had that flavor to it, which I enjoyed. And, and, that growth of the character. Um, we saw it right away with New Earth when she kind of picked up the rod when she knew she was in the wrong corridor and she wasn't going to take any beep from anyone. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, but I, I just felt that um, somehow the chemistry just worked better with Christopher Eccleston's doctor, the well, nice doctor, and her. She, she, um, it was her enthusiasm that reawakened the doctor's enthusiasm for time travel. Because when we first meet the doctor, he was this lonely wanderer who had kind of given up. Hmm. And it was through her enthusiasm that the tenth doctor comes across with this energy and, and this, mm-hmm. this enthusiasm for traveling again. And perhaps having both of them be enthusiastic, like you said, Lewis, it, it wasn't that it was anything negative. It just, the course had been run with the character. And yeah. It, it is, you know, it, fair enough. It's time for a change, you know. She looked into the into the heart of the TARDIS. You know, where do you go from there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and 
so true and you know and two years is not you know anything to sneeze at you know as far as a companion in in doctor who i mean um you know it's it's a good it's a good run so but i i'm sure a lot of people may have that feeling as well that they're glad to see her go and um hopefully i'm not glad to see her go the the the, the part of me that is glad to see her go is not because of her but it, hopefully i'm hoping that this may mean um a new direction. Less ties to Earth, you know, and, and maybe some more stories off Earth. Uh, I can only hope. I know it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have hope. <laughs> well, I had, I had no problems with Rose at all, really, as a character. Um, I did have a few grumbles about the way her character was handled in the second season. Mm. Like, for example, at the end of School Reunion and the beginning of Girl in the Fireplace. She sort of seems to be completely different. First of all, she yeah. hates the idea of Mickey being aboard the TARDIS and then all of a sudden it's like they're old school chums and her relationship with the Doctor is completely different um, and while I enjoyed that adventure and it kind of, I, I like to see that one as kind of sort of sealed and in its own sort of um, reality separated from the rest of the series um, there are a few times where her character seemed to sort of jump a bit and obviously this is because they had to film this exactly. second series yeah. much more out of order than the first and, one and things were overlapping and such, yeah yeah, um, and I think hopefully for the next series they will they will work on the way those things are done and the way those storylines and the characters mm. are written are handled. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even even her hairstyle changed. You know, from like it was one way one way in one episode, then it was back the other way, and then it was back to the other way. <laughs> yeah, um, it was inconsistent. You know, and and I think we spoke about this before. At least I know Ken has that this season was a bit inconsistent compared to last season you know as far as um the overall feel and flavor of it and almost mm. is a sneak preview to our to our overall season reviews i mean i um i think when this when this season was at its best it was incredible but i think when it was at its worst it was real you know the, the last season one series one set a certain tone and stayed at that tone throughout the entire course of the season and the, and the watermark was pretty high. This season, sometimes it, it rose a little bit above that watermark, and, but when it dipped below it, sometimes it went way below it. Yeah, and it didn't help with the ordering of some of the episodes. I mean, Love and Monsters, not really a favorite one for me. I admire them for the fact that they try to do something different and they try to play with the format of it, and they took that risk. And it could have worked. For me, it just didn't. But for many people, it, obviously, it did. Um, whereas Fear Her, I don't know, that just didn't quite have any oomph for me, um, that one at all. Very run-of-the-mill for me. <laughs> it, it was, you know, it was real, very filler, meaning that it was light. It was there was no nothing of yeah. any any deep substance going on there. It was, uh, it was. It was this season's the long game, really, wasn't it? Yes, yes, uh, and and I think on the heels of Love and Monsters, if you didn't like Love and Monsters, you felt like Lewis did that it was back-to-back -back rubbish. Mm. Yeah, I, you know, I think I mean, if, coming okay. off Impossible Planet and Satan Pit, and then all of a sudden you slammed on the head with Love and Monsters. You, you really was hoping to get back on track right after that, and here you have the Doctor doing the Vulcan mind meld and all this again, and it's just like, oh, where we go? <laughs> here we go again. Yeah, turning into a cartoon, and but anyway, I won't go into a review of of. <laughs> 
What else? Do we the have? only, the only. Can I just say the one sure. thing? Mm -hmm. uh, last word on fear here. Um, Olympics opening ceremony tickets, I'm sure, are expensive. Um, I would hope that when they did the Olympics, they would have like kids Security. throwing petals and God knows what, and they'd have loads of athletes. And if all they put on in the opening ceremony, and I paid 300 quid or something for my ticket, and all they put on was some lanky bloke in a flash Mac running up and lighting the torch, pardon my language, I'd be pissed off, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and also, they would have security. They wouldn't have some stranger in a trench coat come and take the torch yeah, and I be mean, completely fine with that. He'd have been shot, you know. <laughs> this, this is post 9 11 London. This is post 7 yeah, 7 London. Yeah, no I was chance. Just, yeah, I, I commented that on that last week that this is a um, one year anniversary after the, you know, the, the, the unfortunate bus uh, bombings and, and you bus know, like you said, bomb. 7 7. Um, but. We have to throw believability out the window sometimes to talk to you, unfortunately, after Love and Monsters. <laughs> nah, well, never mind. It was worth it in the end for what we did get. The, the picture of David Tennant holding the Olympic torch makes a great wallpaper, though, on your computer. Huh? <laughs> I suppose. Uh, I, I can't imagine any other doctor doing that, but, you know, each doctor is different. All right, so moving along and, and continuing the theme of Doomsday and Cybermen, and uh, well, this doesn't have any Daleks in it, but it does talk, speak of Cybermen. But this is an email that we've gotten from um, Superius, and I hope it's, uh, that's the name that he's using or he or she's using, so I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing correctly. Uh, but he or she goes on to say, Hi, guys. I'm a bit behind on Pachak these days. I uh, used to listen when walking when walk to class, but it's being summer and all, uh, obviously a student, so. Uh, but yeah, I remember a mention a few Pachaks ago about how, to, how similar the Borg and Cybermen were. I just happened to be watching some Star Trek recently, and, I, and, and that included the very first episode of The Borg. The name of the episode was Q-Who. Now, the title doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because at this point the Q character had already been introduced in the episode where he put humanity on trial. And by the way, that's the, 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 the pilot episode pilot. of um, Encounter at Farpoint. Just, <laughs> just filling in some, some of this there. Anyway, he goes on to say, uh, there, may, there may have been a second one. Uh, is this a possible tribute to Doctor Who at, uh, and the inspiration for the Borg? I think it's a definite possibility. Cheers, keep up the great keep up the great show. So I, I know we spoke uh, in the past how we speculate that, uh, that the Cybermen probably were the genesis of the Borg and th there were a lot of similarities there. And, and I don't know, the episode is called Q Hewitt. I'm kind of a little rusty on my Star Trek Next Generations. I haven't seen them in, in a, recently in the last few years. Um, and you I own have, all of them. I have them on DVD. I just, they're still in their shrink wrap. <laughs> just like tons of other DVDs I have, which I just don't have enough. There's just not enough hours in the day. Well, Can I'm we extend if... the days to like 48 hours? What's this 24-hour nonsense? This is like, two... oh, come on. I'm it's the 21st that's century. why Doctor Who reciprocated with the, the, the Vulcan salute and the... Oh, the Vulcan Doctor mind meld now. Yeah. And the Vulcan mind meld. So, yeah, yeah. Interesting. It's um something to think about. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I, as we said, we... I, I don't think it's any coincidence that the Borg were, you know, even you will be assimilated, you will become like us. Even those phrases are very simulated, uh, very sim similar. <laughs> <laughs> They're assimilating me now as we speak, <laughs> starting with the brain. Well, that might be an improvement. I don't know. 
<laughs> All right, so um, another piece of feedback. Uh, this one is a, another email feedback that we received. Um, it doesn't really relate to Doomsday per se, but it, it does uh, ask us ask us the Pacha crew here on how we sort of rate episodes. And this is from uh, Andy Leonard, and he writes, "Guys, long time, well, more or less, listener, first time emailer. First off, I'm really enjoying the show, and I appreciate how professional the podcast sounds." I also enjoy the format, the choice of topics, and most of all, the way you guys bounce off each other. Oh, I guess there is a little theme going on, because he goes on to say, you have a real Kirk Spock McCoy thing going on, um, going (laughs) where each of you are, each of you is an essential to keep the show at the high level it achieves each week. But in the Ken Deep spirit of complaining when things are, are wrong and not accepting the kind of proverbial stargates, I feel obliged to tell you uh, where the show could improve, in my opinion. I have two points, uh, but they're fairly related. And he goes to say, one, could you define your rating systems better? Are you only rating shows in comparison to each other in the 2005-2006 seasons? I mean, you guys, ha- you guys hand out a lot of fours and fives. When I think, when I think fours... <laughs> When I think of Sorry. fours and fives, I think of City of Death or Caves of Androzani or Tube and the Cybermen. If you guys are only ra- if you guys are only rating new show newer shows against others from the last two seasons, it makes a lot more sense to me. Also, seriously, everything since I started listening has been a three point five or higher. I just saw Love and Monsters, and I think that fails to get a two or a negative. Five as it deserves, I'm going to be shocked. Well, it, it, he said he was behind in his Pachak listening, so he obviously hasn't gotten to my review of Love and Monsters. Well, exactly. <laughs> and he, he didn't hear the Who cast. I mean, you were generous compared to them, Lewis. So uh, yes, I finally got one of the One of those yeah. guys gave it zero out of five. So. <laughs> yes, I did give them one for effort. Um, <laughs> and then he goes on, which is um, on a similar note here, number two. I know Ken considers himself the Simon Cowell, but I think you guys need an honest to good negative reviewer in the mix. I wouldn't want a fourth regular or anything. It will be nice if more than more of the guest reviews were negative just for the sake of balance. I'd rather watch Twin Dilemma twice than sit through Tooth and Claw once more. <laughs> your, reviews for all, your reviews for that episode were really odd because you guys acknowledged a lot of the floors, then gave it high marks. I mean, enlighten me. Just how bad does it have to get? Love and monsters. How bad before it has to get before you rate our episode one or two Tardis groans? Well, I was. There we go. <laughs> it was very refreshing to hear Lewis say that he despises all these Earth stories during the last podcast. I thought it was just me uh, that noticed how anchored the show has been. Anyway, mm. I just wanted to drop you some praise and suggestions uh, on you, uh, Leonard. I mean, Andy Leonard. Leonard McCoy. (laughs) I I was in that mindset with the whole Star Trek theme going on recently. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) If I could address the podcast. (laughs) Okay. That was an absolutely terrible William Shatner. Um, Well, Ken, if you're Kirk, and I don't know what... Definitely not Captain Kirk. Uh, We'll leave it for Lewis. (laughs) I'm just worried that if James... I was going to be the Picard. (laughs) 
If James ends up being McCoy, say, then does that mean by default I become Nurse Chapel? You know? Because I'll be honest, guys. If that's I, your desire. I don't have the legs, you know. I don't know. I haven't seen them yet. <laughs> okay, moving on. Well, I can move only, along. Move along. I can only uh, answer uh, the rating system the way with the way I personally do it, and, and mm-hmm. the three of us could use a different criteria. But I do my rating is in comparison with the full forty plus years of Doctor Who, and if I give an episode like Love and Monsters, I, I think I gave it three hardest groans, uh, if, if my memory serves. Um, I would give Twin Dilemma maybe two. Uh, we, we, Lewis and James and I have never really gone back and reviewed too many old episodes. So um, heading now that this season is over with, we're going to go back and review some of the DVDs that are out mm-hmm. and start getting yeah, some, some, of the stuff some that... more reviews of classic episodes. Um, but in fairness, if I gave Doomsday five TARDIS groans out of five, uh, and I gave... Caves of Androzani, five out of five, which I would. Um, and you watch them side by side. Would you not agree they're both equally as classic? Uh, and the answer, I believe, is yes. Um, they are a different era. But at the same time, the production value and some of the values that are going into the current show are strong enough to hold their own against anything else that's been in, in, the, um, in Doctor Who's past. Even into the into the some of the most classic eras. Yes, City of Death is a classic Doctor Who story, but is it any more classic than um, Impossible Planet or Satan Pit? Is it more classic than um, than uh, Empty Child, Doctor Dances? It's to me, it's on par with that. When when Doctor Who is great, it's great. It's that simple, and it doesn't matter who the Doctor is. Mm-hmm. Because, from my mind, the Dalek invasion of Earth with William Hartnell is a five-star story. And that holds um, equal weight with The Empty Child and Darker Dances for its own reasons. But the quality and, the, and what goes into it is still there. The, the, the thing that essentially makes it great Doctor Who is still there, even though, okay, it's black and white. And they made it for 72 cents, uh, things like that. It doesn't matter. There's, there are other things that make it brilliant, and, and that, for me, is my criteria. What makes it brilliant? Is it essentially Doctor Who? And I think, if I can lead into Lewis's take on this, Lewis looks at a thing like Love and Monsters and says, essentially, it's not Doctor Who. Well, the way I review episodes are the same way I watch episodes. And um, and I have said this in the past, is that when I'm watching a previous, an episode that, that, was, um, that was produced in um, 1967, my mindset is in that error. So I'm going to rate it as judging on that on on being in that time period or if it was a 1977 episode or a 1987 episode i i kind of um judge every episode based on the era that it did come out and maybe not so much as a whole 43 year type of span type of thing i to me it's more um love for me like love and monsters was pitiful next to everything else that came out in the last it's not that it was pitiful but it was it it just took a different tone and it what it it broke the established sense of reality and and what you believe to be reality and um and and, and 
putting that back to back next to, um, you know, after coming off of Impossible, Impossible Planet and Satan Pit, and then all of a sudden you're set with a whole new lores of physics and nature and, and fantasy, and it, it just didn't work well. I mean, if everything leading up, if, if, if it had all these stories next to each other that were all fantasy oriented, whatever, maybe I would have felt differently about it because I wasn't expecting you know, it to be, I, I went into Love and Monsters with different set of expectations based on what episodes preceded that. Um, and, and the same thing goes when, uh, if I review an episode going back to a different time era, uh, William Hartnell, I'm in the 19, early 1960s mode, you know, and, and in that mindset. And I'm going to base it as a as a potential viewer, if I was there sitting home watching it at that time period and, and, and appreciating it for what it is at that time period um, and not comparing it to something that would have come out currently on Doctor Who. Colin, did you have any, more, any ways of reviewing um, that you would like to share? Yeah, well, I think really you can't sort of compare the classic series and the new series, mainly because they're aimed at different audiences. I, to my mind, anyway. Um, I think that the classic series was sort of made by and aimed at the same sort of age group from, you know, all of the kids that are grown up with Doctor Who from sort of the late John Pertwee, um, you know, into mm -hmm. Tom Baker and beyond era. I think that the, the, the themes of the stories began to get a bit more adult and seemed to be made more to sort of keep the fans happy, I think, in the classic series. Um, and a lot more for the loyal fan base, whereas the new series has realised that if it's going to be a success, it can't appeal just to those people that are now in their 30s, their 40s, you know, people in their 50s and 60s even, because there has to be a new younger audience that it also has to appeal to that will develop and become the fans that will keep it going in future years. Um, and therefore, I think that there's different, there's markedly different production values from the classic series and the new series, not least of all because of the CGI in the new series as well. Um, to my mind, in terms of the classic series, the good episodes that I always remember are things like um, The Pyramids of Mars, uh, City of Death, um, that sort of thing. Um, and I, I kind of sort of phased out of Doctor Who around about, I think it was Planet of Fire or whatever. Um, didn't watch much of The Sixth Doctor until The Trial of a Time Lord and then sort of stuck with it and then drifted out in the McCoy era, which a lot of them I just thought were dreadful. Mm. Um, the new series, I'm, I'm more inclined to be a lot more forgiving with it because it is trying to do new things and it's trying to do them in an intelligent manner. I, I, as I said before, I, I only would give a five out of five to the season finale and The Impossible Planet. The others, I think the highest out of the others would be School Reunion for me, which I would give a four. And then all of the others below that would be either four or less, three, mm -hmm. two. I mean, the lowest one I would have given, I think, would have been Fear Her. For me, that would have got a two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, there's, I, I guess um, there's also something to be said, uh, you know, going into new episodes when there hasn't been any, there's like, oh, fresh new material, and, and th that may have some... Um, you know, it's 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 after like 16 years of, with, with the exception of the 1996 movie, of not having the Doctor at all in our lives, other than pre, you know past episodes. Uh, just having the series back, sometimes you may rank uh, rank things higher than because uh, it, it's all fresh new material, and and that in itself 
you know, it, it brings up the ratings a bit, you know. Um, but now that we've, it's, we're already into, you know, basically two years of, of the series being back. Um, well, I can't even believe it. it. It, you may be able to, um, view it in a different, you know, th- th- that excitement isn't really, you know, I don't want to say it's excited, but it's, it's, or, or you're getting complacent or, or used to it, but maybe to a certain point you are, and, and you, maybe you can judge things on a more even keel. Hmm. I think this season the fans in their reviews have been less forgiving than they would have been in season one because season one everybody was just pleased to see it back. Season two people have started to say, mm-hmm. have now started to say, okay, this is Doctor Who, this isn't Doctor Who. I think the series has got um, its work cut out for it in series three because you know, they they will, are now used to it. They know what to expect, and they have set the bar really high. So they're going to have to they're going to have to play it carefully, especially the introduction of the new companion. Well, that's that's very true in that the the bar was set so high with series one that I think any time it drifted below that, we got very critical of it because um, there was such consistency in the in the first series. And I, and again, I don't go. Uh, I, at no point do I give David Tennant a hit on any of this uh, because I think throughout this entire second series he has just been brilliant and he's been great as the Doctor and mm. his energy and enthusiasm are exactly what we need in Doctor Who. Um, and, I, and I take the approach that I'm just glad the show is back on. So even at its worst, um, I'm... I'm just not looking a gift horse in the mouth, and I, I will continue to say in Russell we trust, and um, his vision for the show is, you know, it is what it is. It's he's in charge of the show. It's his show. We are getting, like Colin, like you said, you, we are getting a little more critical because we know what to expect. But at the same time, I'm, I'm also, I'm of the mindset that we've got it. It's here. Uh, let's keep it going. Let's support it. Hmm. I think it was that, that knocking that John Nathan Turner took late in his run when you got into Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy, that was part of the downfall of the show as a whole. Once mm. the fans started turning against the show, then, you know, what was the BBC's logic for keeping it around then? Geez, even the people who watch the show don't like it. Yeah. And, and so the minute we turn that corner, I, I just don't want it to, I don't want the same thing to happen again. And mm. very, that's why I'm, I'm very consistent with my support of the show, even at its worst. Even though Love and Monsters was a, was a, was a tough one, it was a, it was a gamble. And for many people, it didn't work. For many people, it did work. It was a gamble. They rolled the dice. They moved past it. Um, but I'm still supportive of it 100% because I'm just fearful that three years from now, they've axed the show and we've got nothing again. Well, if, if if the series was to turn into every episode similar to this, the silliness uh, and unbelievability of Love and Monsters, I I, I would rather see the series go and and, and then um, then continue in that that situation. I um, I I'd rather not see it turn into that and turn into a cartoon and a mockery of itself. And that's just the way I feel. I rather um, see it on on stride and on a high note than than it become a, a, a joke. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and let's I'm face sorry. it, we're, see- we're seeing um, things in Doctor Who now that Doctor Who fans never thought that they would ever see in terms of the effects and the storylines. Um, and, I mean, there are, there are things that people have had to adjust to in terms of they're not four-part stories, they're 
two-part stories if we're lucky um and it's a whole different format i think there's a lot of people have grown up with it and are now kind of like parents having to sort of let go of it slightly or readjust and let it go its own way because it's it's not the same series having come back that it was when it left and i think that's all the better for us yeah well i I think you make a valid point there you know and um... it was one of the biggest fans of Doctor Who being a serial. I really, it was one of the things that turned me on to the show some two and a half decades ago. It was something that I, I really you know, locked in on. I, I liked the cliffhangers. Uh, and yet, that was the, it was, for me, it was never a doubt in my mind when I saw the new show. It, 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 yeah, it was kind of like, oh, well, it, you know, I remember the, the cliffhangers. But then we started getting into these two-parters, and there were still cliffhangers from time to time. And they only did them when it was worthwhile. Doctor Who, for you know, sometimes when it was always a serial, they would make a cliffhanger just for the sake of making a cliffhanger. This, yeah. Because it's not every week. When it happens, it's you know, the pit is open and I am free. That's you know, that's a great cliffhanger. You know, yeah. Whew, chills, you know. Um, so when it happens, it's that it has that much more impact. So. Uh, hmm. Well, was doing, e- that was a, easy for me to let go. Doing a multi-part story for the sake of a cliffhanger, is, is, you know, obviously isn't a good reason. But for if, if the story warrants it, then you know, to have that space to kind of flesh out the story, then by all means, make it a multi-part story. And um, you know, and as I said with um, in this episode of, of Podshock, I, I wouldn't even be opposed to doing a three-parter. You know, if the story is that mammoth of a story to tell, mm. uh, take your time with it, and um, you know, kind of tell it, give it, give it its time that it's due. And just and Lewis, so- you, you made a good point, uh, like Battlestar Galactica did in its most recent season finale, is they they made it a longer episode. So mm-hmm. that it was still the, the season length was still the same, except that uh, similar to the the Christmas special, where the Christmas special for Doctor Who was an hour instead of forty five minutes, they could have just extended it a few minutes and made it an hour special, let's say, and and get in all those little extras or, you know, th- there was, I mean, they they snuck in two extra minutes, but, you know, if they would have had fifteen minutes, imagine what they could have shown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, generally this this series, um, the episodes did run a little bit longer. Uh, there were uh, at least um, three or four episodes that were probably came in over 46 or, uh, you know, if you count seconds in the mix, over 46 minutes. Um, so, um, you know, it was on par with some of the other stories that, that, that did, you know, other episodes that did come out this season, this series. Yeah, and if they're going to do um, two-parters, and who knows, maybe we'll even see a three-parter at some point, um, I don't want to know about them in advance because I find they're much more effective if they're a cliffhanger, if they creep up on you without you knowing what's coming. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think with the episode titles being completely, you know, they're, they're not using part one, part two, that, you know, yet the information still gets out there. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I think that they should hold that back if they can possibly resist the temptation because when we saw, what was it, Aliens of London, that was kind of cool watching that and thinking, oh, how on earth are they going to wrap this up in what? They must have about 30 seconds left. And then all of a sudden, oh, I've got to wait till next week. You know? Yeah. 
Um, and the Age of Steel, for example, was, I mean, I reckon that they were experimenting with that, not Age of Steel, Rise of the Cybermen, mm -hmm. where they just didn't show us what was going to happen next week. I mean, is this a possible test of that format? Will next season, will they get rid of all of the coming next week things or will they keep those just to sort of keep people on the edge of their seats? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, so I, you know, many times when we do our reviews, I, you know, if we're, if we're doing individually, you know, not a, uh, like what, what we did with Impossible Planet and Satan Pit, where we did the two back to back when we viewed them together. Uh, but if we're reviewing one, I, I try sometimes try not to let it out that it continues next episode though. You know, if it's, if you're doing a non-spoiler preview, that is. Hmm. So yeah, I think that's important, but, um, Anyway, guys, we're we're, um, we're getting to the close of another Doctor Who Podshock, and I want to thank both uh, Colin, thank you for guest hosting and kind of filling in uh, with James today, and um, I do appreciate that. And Ken, it's always great having you on board as well. I don't mean to. Yeah, I'm, I'm filling in for myself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Colin, it's great to have you. It's you know great that you were able to join us. Well, thank you. It's it's been fun. I've certainly enjoyed it. Yes, and um, so hopefully we'll have you back on board once again um, in the near future. Cool. Um, I'm, we're going to close today's show. Uh, we usually close the show with the familiar Doctor Who music. And in honor of Rose's departure in Doomsday, I hope I didn't give anything away. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've blown it now. Just coming off talking about how I, we don't like to um, spoil things. Um, Anyway, uh, in honor of Rose, uh, one of our listeners, uh, and, and we, want, we had this song for a while, and we've been meaning to play, we just haven't had an opportunity to fit it into the podcast, but uh, Jeff Smith, who had uh, written in once before concerning, a, he found a TARDIS in Second Life, which is a online, uh, multi, um, massive online adventure, role-playing adventure game, anyway, he had uh did a song and it's uh it's available through the um the podcast oh my god i should have refreshed my memory on this there's um podsafe music network i believe it is or if, uh i'll if i'm getting it wrong my apologies but uh the song is called rose and it's um as you can as as i implied it sort of is a song about the character rose so we're going to uh leave today's episode with that song so um to that end thank you jeff for uh allowing us to play the music and um and offering it in in the podsafe music network and once again thanks for listening and we'll be back next week with another episode of doctor who podshock if you walk away from me well, you know that I would hope that it would sure as hell be Better than everything And all that I've let you see Tell your mom I said hello Tell her sorry that I ever let you go Far from the life you knew all that I put you through But don't let the time that you know Break you like you broke me Now that you're free Rose, you're fantastic, you know If it
Listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan run GallifreyanEmbassy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next week for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. <laughs>